Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. A free architectural museum in Indiana? Count me in. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. In the latest installment of our series, What's That Building?, we've got multiple structures to tell you about. About 23 miles southeast of Chicago is the First Baptist Church of Hammond in Indiana. But the church isn't just trying to save souls, it's also preserving architectural history. The church campus is practically a museum for different architecture styles over the decades. Our architecture sleuth, Dennis Rodkin, has the full story for us. Dennis, start by describing this church, because it's really a bunch of buildings, right? Yeah, it's more like a a neighborhood. uh, These are some blocks of State Street and Sibley in Hammond, which, as you said, is 23 miles from downtown Chicago, but literally a few blocks over the state line from um, the near south suburbs. And so you're really in the Chicago area. And over the course of years, this church has built some buildings. Those are primarily on Sibley and preserved a whole lot more buildings, which are on State Street. So you're in this you're in this neighborhood that feels like a small town's downtown, mm-hmm. but about 20 of the buildings are all owned by the same church, First Baptist Church of Hammond. So how did a Baptist church become a mini architectural museum? You know, I think sort of by default, they have been, they've been in Hammond since the 1880s and on a site on Sibley since 1889. And they, so they developed over the years, they were in the 1970s, they were one of the the major mega churches in America, oh, and okay. they had tens of thousands of attendees on Sundays, many of them coming down on buses from Chicago. So they grew and they grew. They built more buildings. Uh, at the same time, you know, small towns, small cities and small towns like Hammond, uh, the business core was shrinking in most of those places. And so the blocks around them began to be depopulated. So over time, as I said, they've built a couple of buildings, and then they sort of picked up a lot of other buildings to preserve them. So, so as they're building a, these buildings, Dennis, what kind of architectural style are they using? Well, it's amazing. The The ones that the uh, church has built are primarily modern, and we'll talk about how one of them sort of engulfs an old historical building of their own. But then if you walk around, the other buildings owned by the church are everything from this beautiful, very monumental Art Deco U.S. courthouse, at, or former mm-hmm. U.S. courthouse and post office, to a brightly colored, terracotta-clad former furniture building from the 20s. And then there's a parking garage that it's one of those mid-century modern crazy things that it's sort of covered with loops of concrete. It looks as if somebody hung chain mail made of concrete around the edges of this parking garage. And there are others. There are also some that don't really, that aren't visual, visibly, uh, they don't have a distinguished look. Okay. But it's just the fact that they're there. There's a whole row on State Street of old early 20th century building, early 20th century commercial buildings like you'd see in any other town, Mm -hmm. which would have been torn down if it hadn't been for the church buying them and putting various programs in them. And they're still in use then, all these buildings? Most of them are in use. There are some that haven't yet been uh, put back into use. I see. So in the article... I'm drawn to this one picture sort of in the middle uh, where you talk about uh, two mid-century brick buildings that make up what you call an avenue of crosses. 
you know, this is this is actually a very sort of experiential moment. You're you're wandering around there, and you and came I up said, with that name, didn't you? I, yeah, it's not what they call it. <laughs> That's you. Um, but it on Sibley, you've you've got these mid-century modern buildings, mostly built by the church, though the parking garage was built separately. And there are two auditoriums they built, big four, uh, two-story brick auditoriums on both sides of Sibley for about a block. They're red brick, and they were built for a church, mm-hmm. so. Um, there are crosses raised out of the brick, made out of brick. So it's it's a brick-on-brick pattern with yeah. a cross. So as you pass down this block, I couldn't help but feel, I mean, this is this is a very sort of experiential moment where you're passing down this avenue with crosses rising up two stories above you on both sides. It's a really interesting piece of it. Yeah, no, it's incredible and, and captured really beautifully in, in photo in your piece. So it's important, Dennis, we address, though, a, a different history of this church. we got to go there. It's regarding one of its former pastors. Tell us about that. Right. So, uh, yes, they've got all these great buildings, but there are some serious blemishes on the past of the church. The primary one, many people would know that in 2012, uh, a 54-year-old pastor, Jack Schapp, um, was found guilty of sexual exploitation of a 16-year-old girl. She had been sent to him for counseling by her parents, and uh, the the story became very sordid, and many people probably read about it in the years leading up to 2012. Um, he was the leader of the church at the time. He was the son-in-law of the man who really built the church into a megachurch, took over uh, for his father-in-law, went to jail in 2012. Uh, and again, I, I think I said his name is Jack Shapp. He was just released from prison this year mm. uh, early. He was sentenced to 12 years, and he was released after about nine. So the church, it's now under new leadership, right? Yes. Some of the leadership does extend back to that era, but they were not implicated in any of this. So on your quest, what did you hear from the church about these buildings? You know, it's really interesting. So I mentioned these that people used to come down from, that still do, come down from Chicago on buses. And I met two different men who, who actually were part of that. One, Eddie Lapina, is now called the administrative pastor, and he, he deals with the campus, the buildings, okay. among many other things. And he said, you know, we've been here since the 1880s. We're a part of the fabric of Hammond. If we can preserve a part of the physical fabric of Hammond, we like doing that. And so they've bought these buildings. It, they haven't bought them expressly because they're preservationists. You know, they need space. They have all these different programs. And in a few cases, they have demolished buildings. There was an old department store that in the early 20th century, they demolished to build what's now their primary church building. So it's not as if this, you know, we're just about preserving buildings. But rather than, but when they do buy these buildings, rather than tear them down, they put them through preservationists. Yeah, they're like uh, stewards of this architectural History. But is that expensive? Does that come at a big cost? Well, Lapina told me they've probably spent $50 million. Sheesh. How much that would have, if they had torn them down and built new, I don't know. But, you know, it really shows. I, I said they put them through the, this preservationist path. The um, post office slash courthouse, which is now the offices of the school, of the church, beautiful, big old Art Deco building, really wonderful from the street. You go inside the courthouses, the wood-lined, I'm sorry, courtrooms, the wood-lined courtrooms have been preserved as mm-hmm. meeting rooms. The judges' benches have been taken out and turned into information kiosks. There's um, terrazzo flooring, brass fixtures, all that sort of thing from the 1920s, yeah. from the origins of the building that they've 
polished up, put to good use. So they, I, they've done a good job as far as I can see. Did you just spend the whole day touring all these buildings? Because there's so much to see. You know, it, it is really interesting. I walked around with a man named Chewy Gonzalez, who, uh, who is another one who went down on buses. He, he grew up at uh, Roosevelt and Western, and he used to go down on buses in the 1970s to go to church. And he now sort of manages, he's custodial manager of the buildings. He walked me around, and it's great to see something like that through the eyes of someone like that, because he talked about how we've got this great program over here, and look at this fantastic historical detail. He gave me a tour like, I mean, I couldn't have discovered these things on my own. One of the things he showed me is, as I mentioned, there are these two buildings that were built in the 60s. Yeah. One engulfs a historical building. They had a church uh, that was built in the 20s, and then they're growing and growing and growing, and they want to put on a modern face. So they essentially wrap the old 1920s church in a 1960s brick wrap. Oh, my goodness. And I never would have found this on my own. Chewy showed me there still is a doorway from the old church, the, uh, an exterior doorway of the old church on the interior yeah. of this new building, and carved above it is um, the biblical term that we may know him. And so they've still got this sort of 1920s piece. And so it's really, it's yes, I did spend a lot of time. I went into the um, the worship space and things like that. And yeah. You just like, it's fascinating. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll have to leave it there for now. That's Dennis Rockin, residential real estate reporter for Crane Chicago Business. His story is online at WBEZ.org right now. Thank you for another great story, Dennis. Thanks, Sasha. This episode of Reset was produced by Andrew Merriweather, and it was edited by Ethan Schwab. If this episode of What's That Building sparked curiosity about architecture that you want to know more about, well, tell us about it. Leave us a voicemail at 888-915-9945, and we may just put Dennis on the case. That's it for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.